Hey everyone, welcome back to Blue and Gold, a Superman and Booster Gold podcast. This is episode four, although it really is basically like starting back over at episode one. Because when you put out an episode after five years of not putting out an episode, and you originally only put out three episodes, pretty much starting over when it's been five years. But, yes, this is episode four. I had three episodes that I put out in 2014, and this was, um, this podcast is dedicated to uh, my two favorite superheroes, Superman and Booster Gold, hence Blue and Gold. Um, and so I, I, I put out three episodes in 2014, and I sounded super weird on those, by the way. If, if, if you do, those episodes are in this feed. Um, so once we, um, once I got this uh, up and running again, I decided not to start over at episode one again and just start where I was, which is episode four. But when I started this podcast back in 2014, um, I was recording. We were living in a different location than I currently am. Uh, I We've since we moved houses and we um, where I used to where where we, I would record was a, just across the hall from my um a newborn well at that point he was probably about six months old my son now is six years old but when i was recording the podcast he was six or seven months old so he was pretty little and i was right across the hall from also from my bedroom from my wife sleeping and i was recording at night so i have like a weird whispery tone to those those podcasts i wasn't talking normally so it sounds it sounds really weird but i'm back um after after all these years and so let's talk a little bit about this podcast before i dive into today's topic and a little bit about, a little bit about me and my history so my name is danny and uh, this is going to be a solo podcast i don't know if i'll ever have any guests um and i don't know any people in my life who are as passionate about superman and booster gold as i am my wife um tolerates and puts up with my superman love my superman obsession um and we do have another podcast that also went on a giant hiatus after only a few episodes so if you if you look up the uh podcast talking geek with no g you'll find um the podcast that i do about pop culture things with my wife and we took a huge hiatus from that and only recently got back into that uh, doing that show together and so that motivated me to get this podcast back up and running and um, so I could maybe have her on sometimes to talk about some some topics but I'm gonna go I'm gonna dive deep deep into the geekness and so this pot like these shows are gonna be probably too geeky for her um, too too nitty-gritty um, I am going to dive into the deep end on these podcasts these are topics that i want to talk about so today's topic is um why i think superman 3 is better than superman 2 so we'll get to that in a moment but that's today's topic that's too that is way too geeky for her it's not as simple as oh let's discuss let's have a, a retrospective discussion on superman 1 or super you know superman the movie or let's talk about you know um um superman 2 3 4 i mean she could talk about the movies but if i want to get into some some serious geek shit she can't um you know dive deep into the superman lore deep into those crevices she can't uh she can't be have that level of detail and so there's nobody else in my life who i'm who i record podcasts with i listen to a ton of podcasts but i'm not friends with anyone um in the podcasting world to have anybody on as guests um i admire a lot of um uh podcasts i've gotten tons of hours from listening to everybody from michael bailey who is on the internet the superman the superman podcaster um to the all you know a bunch of two true freak shows and fire and water podcast network um 
So I, I listen to uh, tons of those shows, but I never write in or, or anything, so they don't know me from anything. Um, so it'll probably be me solo. I'd love to have somebody to talk with about Booster Gold because, you know, I'm not, you know, as far as the Superman topics go, it's not, it's not uncharted territory. People have talked about Superman. There's, there's been lots of Superman-centric podcasts, but very few. When I started up this podcast, I was the very, I was the first Booster Gold podcast, so I still have that. I can still say that I'm the first Booster Gold podcast out there. Um, then I, you know, I made three episodes and went away. Part of why I went away was that I got burned out. Um, following. Following the um, following other podcasts um, who who will do index shows. Um, so the way that I originally envisioned this podcast was it was going to be a S- Superman and Booster Gold podcast, obviously, and it was going to be discussing pretty much a random Super Su- Superman topic on any given episode. Um, my first episode, I believe, was talking about the Fleischer cart the Fleischer cartoons. Um, and then, but I was gonna in I was gonna um, do a um, an index retrospective on Booster Gold comics, starting with Booster Gold Volume One, Issue One, and working my way up with every episode a new a new issue. And think of this vein of uh, Michael Bailey's From Crisis to Crisis, where they're covering the post um, Crisis Superman um, one month at a time. So I was going to do that, but I got burned out super quick. Like, I thought this podcast was going to be the easiest podcast to do. I love Superman. I can talk about Superman for easily without even writing notes or anything. Um, but Booster Gold, I was going to um, – I was finding that I was going to do synopses. That, like, trying to, trying to really model myself after other podcasts that I enjoy where they'll do a synopsis on an episode – on an issue – um and then discuss it and so i was finding myself you know i started reading um volume one of booster gold which i mean i i've read it before um but for the podcast trying to reread it and write synopses i got burned out super quick because writing synopses is not fun so um the caveat to this show is i'm still going to be talking i'm not going to be talking about i'm not going to be um forcing myself to read read things and and do synopses when i read something um and talk about it on the show i will do a synopsis either i find a synopsis that's already written online that i can just read easily or i'll spout it off memory but i don't want to sit down and give myself homework podcasting should be something that's fun and enjoyable sit down and talk about a topic um and so the more homework is just another barrier to getting it done and i'm sure anybody out there who's listening to podcasts because i know that like the joke is like podcasters are it's an incestuous group we just listen to everybody else's like we all like we make podcasts we just and we listen to other people's podcasts um and we and i don't want to be doing homework and so i'm not going to be when i give synopses it's going to be uh brief so but i'm going to follow much the same model with booster gold comics as i'm going to do with um or booster gold topics as i do with superman where i could be jumping around i could be um maybe i read something recently i want to talk about that um it could be well for instance today after i talk about my superman topic i'm going to talk about i recently reread um the 2010 slash 11 um series or maybe it's only 2011 but um the time master's vanishing point um written by dan jurgen or um um yeah written written and penciled by dan jurgens and uh norm norm rapman and um i'm not gonna be giving a synopsis of every single episode i just i i want it's my i want to continue this podcast and not get burned out because i have lots of things i want to talk about and so i don't want to be doing a bunch of homework um so a little bit of history about myself so i am 34 I live in Michigan. I work for, I've lived here all my life. Although, interesting fact, I was born in Germany. Uh, my dad was in the, my dad was in the military, uh, Air Force, so I was born in Germany, but came back to the United States when I was two, so I don't re- remember any, um, living anywhere else, and so we lived in Michigan, 
I went to the University of Michigan um, for my undergraduate uh, college, uh, and I grew up in a super small town. Shout out to LC, Michigan, if anybody's from there um, and listening, although I doubt it, because that town struggles to even maintain a uh, population of a thousand. I look at the census numbers because I'm interested in that, and uh, so it's your typical um, small town. Like when you think of a small town, think even smaller. Uh, technically, Elsie was a village. Um, and oh, interesting fact: it is the dairy capital of Michigan. I believe more, more, um, more uh, milk is produced there than. Anywhere else in Michigan, for sure. I don't know about the, where the largest production is in the United States, but Elsie is the dairy capital of Michigan. Um, I met my wife. I'm going to get my whole life history here, I guess. Nobody cares, but well, that's what you do when you podcast by yourself um, off the cuff. Um, sorry if I speak a little fast. That's my... Um, my speaking tempo, and I have nobody else here to bounce off of. I'm not even podcasting with my wife. I'm podcasting by myself, so I'm not, I have nobody to bounce off of. So sorry if I'm going to try to talk a little slower. I know I talk kind of fast. Um, so I went to U of M for my undergraduate and my graduate uh, programs. Um, I work for U of M. I have, so they get to pay me now. I got to go to school there and rack up tons and tons of student debt but now they get to pay me um i have two awesome kids a six-year-old boy and a just about four-year-old um girl um so that's my life history my superman history let's talk about that for a minute so superman has always been in my life i can't remember a time when he wasn't um, my mom tells me when I was two that she heard a big giant bang and I jumped off of, I believe it was a bookcase, I think it was a bookcase, and smashed, thinking I could fly, like Superman, and smashed my face on the wall, and uh, according to her, I don't know if I believe this, but she said there was a lot of blood, she thought I was dead for a moment, uh, probably the briefest of moments, especially now being a dad, like, you know when a child, <laughs> when you're, I mean, I didn't even go to the hospital, so, um, how serious could it actually be, but I don't remember ever getting into Superman, it just always was, it's just part of me, um, I don't, I can't, I have to imagine that it was due to Superman the movie, um, so I was born in 85, so, seven years after the movie came out and but my dad had we had a vh we had a vcr and my dad had bought superman the movie on vhs and i also i can't remember when he bought it it was always a vhs that we owned but i don't know like nobody in my house read comics um when i was super super little so it had to have been watching that movie i I can't remember the first time that i watched superman the movie it was just it's just been a part of my life forever but it, it it must be that movie that got me into superman um which is super fascinating because i find it hard to imagine especially having kids now sitting them down and watching superman the movie and not have them get bored. Like, my son is six, and he just recently, within the last year, watched the movie with me and uh, watched it all the way through. We, we went to the movie theater. They had a 40th anniversary showing um, last year at um, last year at Thanksgiving time in November. And so I went, I went with my son, and I should have a whole... I'm going to dedicate a whole episode to seeing Superman the movie in theaters because I've seen it now I think four different times and had four very different experiences so maybe I think I'm going to detail those on a on a a later episode but 
I can't. I to be able to have Superman the movie to not even be able to remember the earliest time seeing it. I had to have been really little where, but it held my attention span, which is amazing because that movie has slow parts. I mean, it's a, that's what makes it great is it takes its time, but, and I don't want to dive too deep because I'm going to have a whole episode on Superman, the movie also. Um, but it's just always been with me. One thing that's like, I ask myself for not semi-regularly, um, is why do I like Superman? And you know what? I don't know. A lot of people out there say, oh, Superman's my favorite character because he always does the right thing. He does the right thing because it's the right thing to do. Well, yes, that's true, usually. But that's not why I like him. He's this The goody-two-shoes nature of Superman is not why I like him. It... it the, the the pathos that comes from Batman draws me in, and I'm not talking Batman. I'm not super crazy about Batman, and um, and and more and more as time goes on, I become less of a fan of Batman actually. But I mean, I like Batman. I still read. I I, I just watched the animated Batman Hush this past weekend. And it was pretty good. Um, but but I lost my train of thought for a second. Sorry. So. So talking just about, well, the goody-two-shoes nature of Superman, I can't point to that and say, well, that's why I like him. It's an aspect of him, yes, and that's, um, but it's not always the way that he's portrayed. Um, it's, as weird as it is, like, Superman is, like, part of my DNA. Like, I can't, like, I, like, I, you know, Rogueback Mountain, I can't quit you. I can't quit Superman. I don't know what started it. It's just part of me. So, I mean, maybe that makes me a perfect Superman fan because it's just... I, what's weird is, you know, I think about the aspects of Superman's personality and, you know, what draws me to him. And, it's and and uh, you, know, his, you know, his criticism from lots of people is that he's just a Boy Scout. There's nothing you can do with him. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of truth in that. A lot of Superman fans get, you know, upset about that. Like, well, a good writer can, you know... It's only you're only as your character's only as bad as your writer, um, but I see the criticism of Superman being, you know, written being you know his characteristics make it tough to write a compelling and interesting story. So what's wild is I feel like a lot of times I hear podcasts people can say like this is why I like Superman, or flip side like this is why I don't like Superman for those. Um, um, crazies out there, the, um, those who don't like su- Superman. I love Superman, but what's crazy is I can't tell you why. It's just, you know, I have green eyes. It's just who I am. You know, I have blonde hair. That's who I am. And I like Superman. That's who I It's just, uh, I was born with it, I guess. Um, so that's my history. Growing up, uh, um, really felt, you know, dove headfirst. I was, I was the perfect age for the death of Superman to hit. And, uh, I was eight years old. Um, I believe, right? It was December of 92. Yeah. Yeah, I was eight. Um, I, yeah, so 85. Well, no, seven. Seven. Um, right? And so, but I was the perfect age, and um, to for that to hit, and that's when I really dove into the comics. Was Death of Superman? We were living in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan at the time, and so I got to, you know, I would I remember vividly having my dad drive me to the comic book store, um, the direct market store that was up there, and um, and and buying Death of Superman. So the death of Superman, as many people, that is not a unique story. Is getting into the comics. I didn't get into the. I didn't get into the character because, as I said, I've been Superman's been with me my whole life. But I got into the comics specifically because of the death of Superman. Um, but I don't want to dive too deep on any of these topics yet because I these this is all fertile ground for for future episodes. What I want to talk about today is a controversial opinion 
that I hold that, you know, I don't know if I'm unique, um, but I just never really had this. Um, a lot of people, I mean, there's podcasts out there. Comic Geek Speak has done, you know, I mean, there's this, you can find things talking about like, what's better, Superman 1 or 2? That debate is had all the time. But what my opinion that I want to talk about is the controversial opinion that I think Superman 3 is a better movie than Superman 2. There. Yep, I said it. So let me reiterate that. Superman 3 is a better movie than Superman 2. And I'll go into that. Let me, let me, let me, and I, let me, this is where, this is the part, I did take some notes. I did, um, because I, I wanted to have uh, at least some specifics that I didn't try to be off the cuff too much. Um, I have some, some just, just vague notes for myself about why I think Superman 3 is better than Superman 2. And even as a kid, I gravitated towards Superman um, 3. Even as a kid, because... And and that's when like people say that like when they were a kid they thought Superman two, it's it's it, it's a very common sentiment that when people um, were a kid they like Superman two the best, and then when they grow up or you know they get a little older they realize how good Superman one is and Superman one is, you know maybe they still think you know it's you hear the comments that um, people will think that Superman one as they get older is better than Superman two. But you never hear as part of the conversation Superman 3 is better than Superman 2. Now, 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 number one is tops. Number one, Superman the movie is my favorite movie, period. Doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter what we're talking about. Period. Full stop. Superman the movie is my favorite movie. Always will be. Or it, it, it always has been. And I can say pretty confidently it always will be. Because, you know, channeling my Charlie Murphy... Uh, nostalgia is a hell of a drug so at this point i'm 34 even if there's movies that are better that nostalgia just is gonna keep you know keep things at the top of the list so it doesn't hurt that superman the movie is masterfully made i mean it is on the it's on par with the godfather you know apocalypse now star wars and i mean and those movies that I just listed span genres, um, but I mean it's up there with the classics because it's it's the filmmaking was superb on Superman one, but I think Superman one is the only movie that you can say that about in my opinion that where the where it's a masterclass of filmmaking is Superman one. So then then if we if we if I already am saying that Superman One is the only one that has the masterclass of filmmaking, it's in an upper, it's in another, it's in, an, it's in its whole other level. It's not in the same echelon even as the rest of them. It's on its own level. So let's get Superman One out of the conversation. So then you start, and then Superman Four. I, I mean, Superman Four has its supporters, and I like it. I, I like Superman Four, but in my opinion, it's, it's, it is um, without a doubt the weakest of the four. Um, I might have a, another show in the future that I discuss Superman four more in detail. Who knows? I could do commentaries on on, on this show. It's my show, bitches. I can do what I want. <laughs> um, but so Superman four, in my opinion, is I think it's it's fairly uncontroversial to say Superman one is the best and Superman four is the worst. But then you get into Superman two and three, and I think. A lot of people think about two as being much closer in quality to one, and three as being much closer in quality to four. Now, I think there's actually a decent tier difference there. I think Superman one is on its own level. I think Superman two and three are on their, are on their own level. I think Superman four is down below on its own lower lower rung of the ladder. But Superman three, I think. Well, let me talk about let me talk about the the the, the good that I find in Superman three, the, the reasons why I gravitate towards it, and, and and the things that I think elevate it above Superman two. And the first thing that I wrote down on my list is consistent tone, and I think that's very 
you know, super, no pun intended, important for why Superman 3 feels more cohesive to me. Now, Superman 2 tries to, it has loftier, Superman 2 has loftier aspirations. There's no doubt about that. But it it is inconsistent, and so I'm going to talk more about that in a minute, but Superman 3 doesn't have his lofty goals. But it knows what it is from start to finish. That movie knows what it is, and it sticks to it. At no point does it feel, at least to me, does it feel inconsistent in its tone and its and its and its atmosphere. Yes, it's it's much more comedic right from the get go. Those opening credits are they're silly. Um, they're they're I mean they're slapstick, but it's consistent throughout. Superman two, you have trying to be serious coupled with silliness spurs but the tones are just you have and that's because of the the dueling directors there i think there's a reason why i think superman 2 is 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 worse and it's it's not because there's two directors necessarily but it's because those two directors were vastly different in their in the way that they approached filmmaking and I think that's I think it's I think that's super um, evident when you look at Superman one consistent tone and it's it's a serious verisimilitude as Richard Donner would say and then you have Superman three not the same but by Richard Lester and it also has a consistent tone Superman two um, anybody who's geeky enough to have found this podcast and is listening to this show. I can almost guarantee you that you, listener, are like me, and you've dove deep. You're listening to a Superman Booster Gold podcast. You've dove deep, my friend. I'm sure you know all about the production controversy, or, um, you know, the production problems that plagued Superman 2, with Richard Donner directing, um, depending on which version you watch, um, a significant chunk of that movie, and Richard Lester also directing a significant directing and redirecting reshooting significant chunks of superman 2 and because of that you get wildly different tones and even the way people look they don't look consistent i mean lois lane margot kidder looks she her 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 look just just her facial features like change from director's scenes to director's scenes and her her, her hair length and um people just don't look I mean and and that's just being like a physical um, you know just looking at what we see on the screen things are different but the tone is different the the, the direction is different you watch that diner scene that diner scene I mean there's like you know people will wonder online like was that Donner is it not Donner is that Lester is it not Lester well I, mean, I think it's pretty clear it's Donner I mean Donner is even walking away from the diner like he has a cameo when they're driving up to that scene, like that scene, there's no doubt. Like you look at Margot Kidder, and you look at Christopher Reeve, they look like you can just tell by their face, like the, the features of their body, like uh, that 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 it's a it's a Donner scene in physicality, in direction, and tone. And then you get all of the scenes with um, that Richard Lesser directed. All the way from this, let's talk about East Houston, Idaho. Each East Houston is used right from there. Well, I mean, not right from there. Like there's plenty of signs earlier on in the movie, but East Houston, Idaho is there's so it tries to be a silly tone, and the. That was a bad example of jumping to East Houston or you know Idaho because there's there's examples earlier on they get to the honeymoon um, the honeymoon um, rendezvous that Lois and Clark you know for the for the expose that they're writing they go to they go to Niagara Falls just the tone of those scenes just is not the same so I'm sort of rambling here so one of the reasons like the consistent tone is why I think. That's one reason why I think Superman 3 is better. Better music. Now, some of you are, like, doing, like, the, what? 
on terms of saying it's better music in Superman 3, but I believe it is. Um, because it knows what it is. Again, it knows it doesn't try to be Superman 1. It, it, um, Ken Thorne, who did the, who did the scores for both Superman 2 and Superman 3, um, Ken Thorne was able to stretch his legs and be a little bit more original in Superman 3. You don't just get the the soundtrack in Superman 2. The, the score is completely a rehash of Superman 1, just recorded with a, a smaller... I'm not going to say a lesser quality, because I'm not going to... Like, that sort of gets into the quality of the musicians. I'm not going to get into the quality of the musicians. Um, but it's a smaller orchestra. It's a less full sound. It just doesn't... Um, and and even though I know that they re-recorded, you know, they used a new orchestra, it basically sounds like they took Superman 1 and, you know, re, you know, recut the music and, like, fit... Oh, this piece fits in here and this piece fits in here. And there's, there's very little original in Superman 2. And Superman 3 has a holy... Oh, well, not holy. I mean, there's the Superman theme. I mean, there are... There are carryovers, and I mean, it's it's clearly part of the same universe of music. Like, um, this music exists in the same universe, but it's building upon, and it's it's not afraid to be a little uh, a little bit different, which is good because the tone of the movie is different. But I much more I enjoy listening to the Superman three score way more any day of the week over Superman two. I almost, I mean, I mean, this is a bit harsh, but I, there's almost no reason to listen to the Superman 2 soundtrack. You can just pop in Superman 1, and you get a better version of that music. Um, I think the Christopher Reeve performances in Superman 3 are better. I think he's, he's, he's grown, he's been in the role for a number of years now, by the time Superman 3 comes out. And he just he just fits that role, and he performs it better. Um, that's all. That's the only way I can say it. Than Superman two, and now what is not controversial is plenty of people agree that like um, Superman three has some great Clark scenes because and and Clark not Superman Clark Clark gets a lot more to do and gets he gets more fleshed out in his. Um, subplot with Lana. Superman 3 is the first time we really get to see Clark living his life as a person and not just as a facade for Superman. And he really pulls off some great scenes. And and, and Christopher Reeves can be funny too. I um, When they're out having their picnic, the pate scene is very funny, but it's, but it's also... It, the performance is it's somebody who is Reeve is performing it as somebody comfortable in what he's doing and he's been doing it this is his third movie now and he's comfortable doing it and he can deliver the lines with um, funny you know a funny comedic timing when he's talking about the pate or when or or when when even the opening scene when he He's not really being funny per se, but when he's he picks up the penguin and blows the blows the flame out and uh, and and he's and and the little things like he scrolls and looks at all of the pictures um, and decides which one he's gonna give to the give to the boy um, before he goes and saves the saves the the guy almost drowning in the car. Um, now, of course, he's doing it for a practical reason in the movie. He doesn't want to, um, reveal his secret identity, but I've always found it a little humorous that he, like, I mean, the way, at least the way it's filmed, he looks at every single picture and then rips it off. I, I just love Reeves' performance in Superman 3. So the next thing is that I already talked about it as it's a more personal story for Clark, but, um, so, and the junkyard fight. Now, again, not a, this is not controversial. Even people who dog on Su Su Superman 3 talk about how good the junkyard scene is. And, and it is. The junkyard scene is phenomenal. And it's, again, it's, 
how good of a performance is it from Reeve? It's amazing. It's Superman against Clark, you know, but it's Reeve against Reeve, and it's amazing. It's it's so fun to watch and thrilling, and the stakes are kind of high, even though they're not really high because um, it's a guy battling his inner demons. Um, because I don't believe this fight even there's no. There in there's no actual fight that happens. I don't think my my take on the scene is that there's no actual fight. This is a fight in in Superman's head. Now I think it happens at the junkyard. I don't think like you know I don't think it's completely fake being at the junkyard. Um, all in Superman's head, but there's no actual fight that happens there. It's it's completely completely psychological, and and uh, I think that seems amazing. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about the bad things that I think hold Superman 2 back. Some of them, so some of them I've already touched on. The inconsistent tone. <clears throat> I've, I've, I've talked, I've talked enough about that, but the, the stakes aren't as high as they should be. Superman 3's stakes, Superman 3's knows, knows what it is, and it doesn't feel like the stakes are any higher than, than what we see. But in Superman 2, the entire world is at stake. I mean, these Kryptonian villains could literally destroy the world. But what do we see in the movie? We we see them we see them take out a small a small Idaho town basically. And super, and um and we see we see the fight the, the big fight in Metropolis. But I'll be honest, I don't think, I and, and this is unfortunately, is I, I don't know if Donner could have done too much better, because the fight in Metropolis, the stakes don't feel as high as they should be to me, because of the special effects. I think the 80s, I, I, I think unfortunately the effects during that scene aren't as good as they could be, and because of that we get Nod and Superman, you know, fighting underground, where... We have to fill in what's going on with our with our heads, you know, um, because they don't they don't film and they don't actually show the fight. We just see the them go under the street and the the camera shake and and then Nan comes flying out. Now I will say, I mean, there are really cool shots within the Metropolis fight. Nan getting knocked and um, through the through the office building, but all of the flying. Zod flying, get him! I don't, I don't think those effects work. I think those are some of the weakest effects, actually. When I think about it, and I think that makes the stakes feel lower. And then we get the the battle in the fortress, which just doesn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense. The throwing of the Kryptonian S, or, or you know the you know the the chests, the the S throwing the S, the 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 the, the schoolyard games that make no sense, um, disappearing and reappearing. I I mean there's different interpretations though. Superman must be running at super speed. I don't think that's what the super that's what the filmmakers intend. I think that the fans trying to make any sense they can about power that don't make sense. And you don't get any of that in Superman 3. Superman makes sense in terms of what he does, in terms of what we know he's capable of doing. And there is none of this head-scratching stuff that happens in Superman 3, but there definitely is in Superman Superman 2. Um, and so I, the, the stakes just don't seem as high as they should be when you have three villains who could destroy the world. Um, maybe that's budget. Maybe that's the inconsistent um, directors. I mean, there's multiple reasons why that would be. Um, I think Margot Kidder's performance in Superman 2 is pretty subpar. Now, she's not a factor in Superman 3 because she leaves and, you know, it's either here nor there. Why Margot Kidder isn't there? Is it because of her? Is it because of, um, you know, strife with the Salkinds? Who knows? Um, I don't. I don't know if we're ever going to get a definitive answer on that, um, especially now that you know uh, Margot's Margot's past. But she's not in three, so we really only have her in one and 
two and then four, but I'm not discussing four right now, but you know, we have her in one and two to compare. And she her performance in one is really, really well um acted and portrayed. In number two, I just think it's poor. I think Margaret Kidder's performance is poor and and there's no there's no other way to put it, um, for me personally. Um in Superman two. I just think it's just flat out bad. Um it doesn't matter what 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 version of the Superman the the Donner cut or the or the Lester cut the, the theatrical it doesn't it doesn't matter I think I think Margaret Kidder's performance is is uh, subpar um, and then and then I also wanted to point out that smoking is gross <laughs> um, and this is coming from somebody whose parents smoked all through my childhood and still smoke. Uh, my wife and I don't smoke. I can't stand smoking. And, um, of course, yes, of course, they show Marco smoking in Superman 1. But it's the briefest of scenes, and the only reason it was there is to show off or to show x-ray vision and Superman checks Superman checks on Lois's lungs, and she's, she's you know, cancer-free. Um... But in Superman 2, they actually took it as a character trait. So we see her smoking in her office, which, and, you know, putting the, you know, and, and, and there's, I gotta say, there's people who smoke and it, and it looks fine, I guess. I mean, smoking is gross in general, but there's people who smoke and it looks fine. Margot Kidder looks disgusting when she smokes. Let's just, let's just, <laughs> let's call a spade a spade. She looks gross. She's got her cigarettes hanging out of her mouth while she's talking to Clark in her office. And she just looks disgusting. And she puts the cigarette out in one of the most disgusting ashtrays. It's not hasn't been emptied in forever. It's just it's just gross. And then we see her later on in the movie when she's waiting for Superman to come back after um, when 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 they're in the Daily Planet and they're pacing. She's pacing back and forth, and General Zod and and company are about to crash the white um, uh, the Daily Planet. And Margot is pacing there in that scene and smoking, and it just looks gross. It's, I don't know, I just don't like, I just, um, I, I, I just, it's not an attractive trait at all, and I hate to say it, but Margot just, you know, you, there, I've seen women smoke in movies, and it's almost kind of sultry and sexy sometimes, but, I mean, um, Margot just looks disgusting. <laughs> I mean, sorry, sorry to put it in such blunt terms. Um, now, I, now I can't give all praise to Superman three, of course. It, the stakes aren't as high. It's super campy, but it knows that it's campy. It's kind of like, it's kind of like, um, criticizing the Batman, the nineteen sixties uh, Batman series. But it knows that it's campy, just like the Batman series knew it was campy. I don't think for a second that the people making Superman three didn't know it was campy, and they and they leaned into it. Now it not it's not slapstick, it's not Hot Shots or or any of those Zucker Zucker um, brothers movies. It's not Airplane. It's but it's not Superman one either. It um, but it, it's consistently campy, and you, you have just silly characters. You have Gus. Acting like a screwball, um, he, he's acting like 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 a nutball all like, throughout the whole movie, um, but but that's the that's the movie that it is, and 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 it knows it. So I think they were more confident. They're confident in the silliness, and it works. It works for me. Um, I mean, uh, the 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 villain, um, Ross the Boss Webster, he's. He's a silly villain, and his motivations sometimes aren't clear. He's he's sort of evil tycoon, wants oil just to be evil, and but again, I think it just comes down to that it knows what it is. Um, so let's talk about a few good things about Superman two. Um, more Gene Hackman, love Gene Hackman, and every one of his scenes, he is fantastic in Superman two. Um, Superman 2 also has the best shirt rip um, 
and that's not a, that's that is um uh sentiment that is not unique to me. Lots of people think that the shirt rip, the alley, the alleyway shirt rip is one of the best, and I really concur. And I could keep going on and on about what's good about Superman two because there are more good things that I like, or what's bad about Superman Superman three. Um, but I've been going here for about forty six minutes. Not all of us who's on the topic, obviously, but I think I've spoken my piece about. Superman, why I think Superman 3 is better than Superman 2, and, and I've listed multiple reasons, but I think it, it basically boils down to the, the tone and being consistent and knowing what you are. Superman 2, even in its theatrical cut, even more so in the Donner cut, but even in the theatrical cut, has been Frankenstein together by Donner footage and Lester footage, and it shows. It, and... I think I subconsciously picked this pick up on the differences when I was a kid, because even as a kid, it wasn't my favorite. Um, but and so I, you know, I am beating a dead horse when I keep saying it. But Superman three's tone is consistent, and it knows what it is. So I think, I think with that, I'm going to move on to discussing some booster gold. So, in the Booster Gold portion, I want to talk about Vanishing Point, or Time Master's Vanishing Point, which is written by Dan um, Booster Gold's creator, Dan Jurgens, art by Dan Jurgens, and, um, and inks, I don't know if it's um, inks and finishes, or, only, or inks only by Norm Ratman, but let me just say, right off the bat, that is, that team... God, that team is so good for Booster Gold. Like when I think of Booster Gold, I think of Volume One, which is Dan Jurgens. Um, but when I think of Volume Two and and the quality of Volume Two and the art, like you get that pairing of Dan Jurgens and Norm Ratman, and it's magical. It's so good. Even now they've done art. Um, I'm trying to think of the, the most recent Booster Gold that um, they collaborated recently on. Well. It was a couple of years ago now. They had the um, Flintstones and Booster Gold special, um, the Hanna-Barbera um, crossover issue, which I'll talk about on this show at some point um, about that issue in, in particular. But I know that they had done that cover, but they did so much work on uh, Booster Gold Volume 2. And so the story, you know, Dan Jurgens is working on Booster Gold Volume 2, which spun out of 52 started up by Jeff Johns writing um, and then but at this point Dan Jurgens was writing and he stepped away from Booster Gold Volume 2 to, to, to do this 62 miniseries Time Masters Vanishing Point and Keith Keith, Keith Giffen and and, um, and uh, I, I don't want to get the rest of the crew um, who worked on the volume Booster Gold Volume 2 while Dan Jurgens was over doing Time Masters, but so so Dan Jurgens stepped away from from Booster Gold to write more Booster Gold, which is funny because Time Masters could have just slotted in. It could have just been the next the next arc in Booster Gold Volume Two. It would have been you know um, I think issue I think um, issue thirty four was the was the creative team shift there. I think it, may, it might have been issue thirty three. It was somewhere right there, and it could have. It could have been, um, could have easily been, Time Masters could have just easily been the next Booster Gold um, Volume 2 arc. So in this series, they go for, it was really heavily tied into the search for Batman, because Batman had recently died in Final Crisis by getting hit, uh, died in quotes, by getting hit by Darkseid's Omega Beams in Final Crisis, and... 
everybody thought he was dead, but really we learned that he just went he just went back in time. He got transported back in time. And so obviously Booster Gold and Rip Hunter, they're the time masters. Uh the greatest hero you never heard of. You guys know the you guys know the drill. And so Booster Gold was naturally like a fit to go search for for Batman. And but the problem is, it's not a problem. I actually really like the series. But it was billed heavily as tying into finding Batman and then discovering what happened to Batman and after Final Crisis. And if you're, I'll say this, if you're coming at the series as a Batman fan and you're a completist, you flush your money down the drain because it is so superfluous to um, the search for Batman. The, the, the search for Batman is so superfluous to what happens here. It's, I think it was just a selling point. I'm not sure if Dan Jurgens had this idea for time, like for this, for this miniseries, and they wanted to tie it in, or if that was forced upon him editorially. Because I can't imagine that the Batman element of this—that's supposedly the catalyst for the events um, that that those things happened organically. Because it doesn't feel organic when you read the comic. I think that Dan Jurgens wanted to tell a uh, story with with the the Time Masters um, on this in this fantastical realm and have the adventure that they have in this comic, and that's what they do. They have they have a fantastic um, adventure and and they meet some new characters and and um, but it, the Batman elements feel so shoehorned, so. I'm not going to give a synopsis, um, uh, uh, issue by issue breakdown or anything, but they, uh, Rip Hunter recruits individuals, including Booster Gold and Superman and Green Lantern to go on this, to go on this mission to find Batman. And they end it and they end up, um, on this, on this world that feels very similar. Think, think Eternia from He-Man. Um, and they, they meet a sorcerer and, and they have um, a, pr- a pretty cool adventure. And all the while, while that's going on, Supernova, who those of us who are familiar with the character from 52, know that it's actually um, Supernova is Daniel Carter, uh, Booster Gold's ancestor, because obviously Booster Gold's from the 25th century, and so his ancestor is living in the modern 20th slash 21st century. And... Um, the supernova suit could only be worn by a Carter, so Daniel Carter is wearing it. And so there's a whole subplot about Daniel Carter going to Vanishing Point, which exists outside of time. The one note, I, one of the notes I do have about this series is that um, is 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 that um, in the in the series you learn that Rip Hunter has put some of the linear men. Uh, the linear man there's a lot of history there and goes back to these characters who protect the time stream and who um they they live um and uh, you know operate out of um vanishing point which is a a place that uh exists outside of time and all time can be accessed um and so we find out in this story that rip hunter actually um, imprisoned a couple of the linear men inside a vault because it was too dangerous to have them out. Now, I gotta say that that was a dick move on his part. He's supposed to be a good guy. I mean, he's Booster Gold's son. And um, we're supposed to be somebody we're supposed to be rooting for. But I gotta say that that, when you learn that, I thought, I, this was my second time reading rereading this because I read it um, a few weeks ago. Not for the show, just, just, um, just out of for my own reading pleasure, and I was, um, but I had, I reread it, and it was my first time reading it since it came out in 2011, and I kept thinking, oh, they're gonna explain like, you know, Rip didn't actually put the linear man in this vault, and um, but but you don't, I think he did, and there was no indication that they were he was, he was gonna come and let them out at some time. He just imprisoned them, and so it's kind of. Um, kind of really um, not a good light for Rip Hunter. But one cool thing about this series is every issue... So I can't remember exactly how far prior to this series 
that we learned that Rip Hunter was um, Booster's son. But it was sometime prior to the series. And every issue of this series, six issues, opens up with a vignette from when Rip was a child. And Booster's, you know, mentoring him, you know, being being his father. He's, he's being his father. He's mentoring, fathering, um, father figure. Not father figure. He is his father. And we get to see some cool little vignettes from when Rip was a uh, child. And that's, those were cool. It's, it was cool seeing. I like seeing. Those are some of my, fa- of my favorite scenes. And, he, and uh, Rip would be narrating them, and he would figure out a way to tie them back to the events of what's going on in the comic. Um, so I, I really like like that aspect of it. Um, so another note I have is that I'm not really a big sword and fantasy type of guy. I'm not really. I, I mean, I like my Lord of, I like Lord of the Rings, and I like, but I'm not. I'm not a fantasy guy. I'm not a. I'm not a let's read Warlord or um, kind of guy. Or this is a. DC Comics heavy podcast, obviously with Superman and Booster Gold, and so I'm not into Skataris or or I'm just not a sort of fantasy guy. But this this miniseries worked for me, maybe, maybe because it was a miniseries. It was six issues of some sort of fantasy. It wasn't wasn't an ongoing or anything. So I it it, it worked for me. Um, the, the other thing is they really tried to. They really tried to um, cash in on on this um, with this series, though, because one of the covers, I believe it's the cover to issue number four, they have the reverse flash very prominently on the cover. You think you're going to get the reverse flash um, being uh, somehow, you know, um, fairly tied into the story, but he's he's not. It's such a minimal part, and. Um, Jeff Johns at in 2011 had just come off of um, the um, the Flash Rebirth and started the new Flash series, and they were getting ready to lead into Flashpoint, which technically Vanishing Point or Time Master's Vanishing Point is a is a Flashpoint tie-in because of when when they come back from their adventure, um, what's written all over the chalkboard is related to Flashpoint. And the very next issue of uh, Booster Gold Volume Two, Jurgens takes back over um, Volume Two, and they're right into the Flashpoint, right into the Flashpoint um, storyline that they have going on there. So, the, not only do they try, try to tie this into those, try to they not only do they try to rope those who are reading this comic because of um, the return of Bruce Wayne. Which happens in like two pages at the end of issue six, so that's uh, was a nothing nothing reason to read this series, and also try to tie this into Flashpoint. Um, so if you were a Flashpoint fan or a Flash fan and read this, you'd be super disappointed. If you were a Batman fan and you were super, you'd be super disappointed. But for a Booster Gold fan, and to a lesser set, um, Superman's also here. He doesn't have a very big role, but for a but for a Booster Gold fan, this is an excellent series. I highly recommend it. Just know what you're getting. You're not getting a Batman story. You're not getting a Flashpoint or a lead-in or a or a prelude to Flashpoint, as you might think. You're getting a Booster Gold and Rip Hunter um, story. You're getting you're getting a Booster Gold Volume Two story with a different name, is what you're getting. And it is worth your money. It's really good. It's a really good series. I liked it a lot. All right, well, that is going to wrap up. That is going to wrap up Blue and Gold, Episode 4. So you can email me at bluegoldpodcast at gmail.com. Love to have some feedback. Love to, if anybody ever wants to guest on a show, I'd be totally down for that because I don't mind rambling here by myself. But if you want to shoot me your thoughts, send me an email about Superman, about Booster Gold, um, I would totally be down for that, um, and I would love to have some feedback to read on read on this show. And um, you can find you can follow me on Twitter at at Blue Gold Podcast. Although I don't use Twitter from uh, uh, that much at all, but I do have a Twitter account for this podcast, so you can you can follow me there. All right, everyone. 
Until next time. I'm not sure what the topic is going to be for next time. I have a whole list of topics here, but I'm not sure what it's going to be. Um, but you can be sure it's going to be something Superman-related and something Booster Gold-related. All right, I will talk to you guys next time.